Welcome. You're listening to the Voice of Vedanta podcast from the Vedanta Society of Southern California. Visit us on the web at vedanta.org. What we're going to talk about today is the whole thing of being an instrument, letting things go through us. But I'll begin with a chant. Om Sam Gachet Vam Sam Vadat Vam Sam Vomanaham Sijanatam Deva Pakayate Purve Sanjanana Upasate Samano Mantra Samiti Samani Samanam Manasaha Chittame Sham Samanam mantra mapi mantra eva samane navo havishaha chuhomi samani vahakuti samani hritayani vaha samanam astuvomano yatahava susahasati om shanti shanti Shantihi Om May we come together for a common purpose. May our minds be united in the quest for higher wisdom. Common be our prayer. Common be our goal. Common be our purpose. Common be our ideal. United be our hearts. United our intentions. Perfect be the harmony and the unity among us. Om. Peace, peace, peace be unto us all. Good morning. Mahayogananda last week announced the topic today, and he said, oh, that's kind of a great coincidence because it's like she's talking about working hard, hardly working. The, the day after Karma Yoga Day, it's a great it's a serendipity. It's like, no, I planned it that way. <laughs> totally planned it that way. Because Karma Yoga is all about working for work's sake. And it's about kind of letting go of the results and doing our work so it can be part of our spiritual life, offering or making it as an offering to the divine. And the other reason I wanted to talk about working hard is because it's September. It's back to work time. It's like back to the grind. Stop the vacation in Hawaii. Whatever you're doing, you know, got to go back to school, got to back to work. It's like got to face reality. So it's like, oh, no, got to go face it. So eh, how do we work in such a way that we're not exhausted by it or depleted by it or we wish we were somewhere else? That's the whole secret of doing karma yoga. And the topic comes from the old American expression. You see someone working, you go, you're working hard. And he goes, nah, hardly working. In other words, he's enjoying what he's doing. He's finding joy in what he's doing. When we find joy in what we're doing, it isn't hard work. We had a great karma yoga day yesterday. And I can see a lot of our volunteers right in here. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you. We also have people in here who volunteer a lot. And you know who you are. You come here sometimes every day, sometimes several times a week. And you give a lot of service here very selflessly. You know who you are. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate it, everybody. And I was kind of reminded me when I thought of this working hard, hardly working, I thought of an old friend of mine, John Michael Patrick Lynch who started out as my Latin professor in graduate school and ended up, he and his wife ended up becoming good friends. 
And I said, you know, what is it like? He said he was at a university, a lot of graduate students, a lot of undergraduates dealing with a lot of dissertations, and there was a lot of pressure to, for publication. And I said, so how is it like being a full-time tenured professor of, of classics? And he said, I can hardly believe they pay me for this. He said, I would do this for free. And I was struck by that because I knew then and I know now so many people who really actively hate what they do most of the day. From Monday through Friday, whether they're doctors or professors or social workers or IT workers or store employees or people who work for either Apple or some other big company, they just wish they were somewhere else. And they spend so much time in many places, so much time even getting to work and getting home from work. If you're up in the Bay Area or LA or even you know here and have to live down in Oxnard or something, it's just we spend so much time, so much energy dealing with our work situation. And to have it not be part of our spiritual life is a real waste. It's a real waste because everything that we do can be made as part of our spiritual life. It shouldn't be separate from it. So we need to kind of harness this energy that we put into our work and make it a part of our spiritual life instead of like, this is my spiritual life and then there's everything else. We have to use that really precious time and make it a part of our entire spiritual life. So when we think about spiritual practice, we don't really usually think about our job. It's like we can think of Mother Teresa. Now she's doing spiritual work, but not us because, hey, I'm, I'm doing my boss's bidding, Right. I'm just doing, I'm writing up reports, I'm doing IT, I'm hammering in nails, I'm, you know, filling out forms, I'm cooking dinner, I'm making meals. This isn't spiritual work. I'm, I'm schlepping the kids around everywhere. This isn't spiritual work. But there's no reason that shouldn't be every bit as spiritual as what Mother Teresa does. Everything that we do can be part of our spiritual life and can be totally engaged in our spiritual life. But somehow we think none of this measures up. And it's the sad thing is that we spend so much of our time, we all work, no matter what we do, even when we retire. I've heard from so many people who retire, well, I'm busier now than I used to be. Even when we retire from the real work, we still are really involved in work. So we need to kind of harness that so we can benefit from our work that we do all the time. Now, one reason that we don't think of our work as spiritual is we have this tendency to kind of partition our life into segments. So we have our work life over here, open door, open door, closed. Then we have our work life closed. And then we have like our family life, separate compartment. And then we have our recreational life, the people that we jog with or swim with, go to the Y, surf with, or our hobby life. We, we sing in a group or we do rock and roll music or we paint with people. We have those kind of, but these all end up being in sort of these discrete compartments that end up not bleeding into each other. And they should. They, they should. Because we shouldn't have separate identities for each one because we only have one life at a time. So all of these, our spiritual life above all, should go and blend into all of these so we have a whole, unified, integrated life. Because unless our life is really integrated with our spiritual life deeply integrated into every part of our life, we don't really have a genuine spiritual life. We have a compartmentalized life. And that means that some parts of our life are necessarily going to be at odds with each other. 
and we shouldn't be fighting ourselves. Everything should be going in the same direction. Like we all have these kind of diverse threads in our life, like frayed fabric. Well, you need to get the threads going in the same direction. Sri Ramakrishna used to say that if you're threading a needle, if a little fiber's sticking out, it can't get through the hole. So we need to have our fibers going in the same direction or we're not going to be happy. And the real truth is, is that we can be really active members of the community. We can be very busy parents. Often having a 24-7 job means being a single mom or being a mom whose dad has to work all the time. It means we can have our really deep, committed spiritual life and simultaneously be a parent, be a CEO, being a full-time student. We can be an artist, a, a rock climber, a rock star. Anything can be done as, as long as we kind of spiritualize the whole thing. There's also no reason why we can't have a time-consuming, really high-powered job. Uh, one of our really good friends was the president of, of a major company that you probably go to once or twice a week. And his wife told me close to their 40th anniversary, she said, I have never seen him once miss morning meditation. I can't say that. And he often had to travel around the country three times a week as a nonprofit. Now he's you know traveling around. Never once has he missed his morning meditation. He was able to do the high-powered job because he never missed his meditation. He had that kind of pole that he could hold on to while everything kind of, kind of went around. So we need that kind of pole. So the first rule of like how can we spiritualize our work is to not skip meditation. It sounds counterintuitive, but the truth is we can't work unless we spend time doing non-work. We have to have time to plug in our battery or else we really will run out of juice. We have to keep it plugged in. In fact, our meditation will make our work infinitely better because our mind will be concentrated, will work efficiently, and our ethics will be much better because we'll notice that we're watching where our mind is going. And when we notice where our mind is going, we become much more careful about our action and the effects of our action. So our ethics are going to be much more clear in our own mind. And, and conversely, sloppy work means sloppy meditation. If we're doing sloppy work, that means we're not meditating well. It means a lack of focus. And it means in some sort of deeper way, a sort of a lack of sincerity. That when our meditation is good, our work is excellent. When our meditation is all over the place, our work is all over the place. They really go hand in hand. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, yoga karmasu kaushalam. Very famous little phrase there. Yoga is skill and action. Now we often think of yoga as like, or, but Krishna again and again talks about yoga as work. Yoga is skill in action. It's working really well. It's working cleanly because yoga is what trains our mind to concentrate on the divine, to find the divine within us. And when our mind is concentrated and clear, it can look inside really well and can also go outside really well because we only have one mind. We have the same impressions on our mind, the same samskaras, all these deep impressions on our mind, the same training that we give for our mind when we study for a test. We refuse to do anything else, but we study for a test. 
when we really are concentrated so much we can't hear when anyone's talking to us, we're really involved in something. That sort of concentration is true yoga. That is being able to use the mind to concentrate inside and be able to do really clear, careful work outside where the work will end up being a joy to us. It will end up giving us great joy because we don't feel encumbered by it. So again, the most important thing when we work is to be able to charge our batteries, to really spend time in meditation. And on that note, let's everyone close our eyes. Yep, we're going to do it. Put your feet on the floor and just breathe in and out. Because we're going to just spend a few minutes, sometimes we talk too much, just spend a few minutes dwelling in the presence of the divine. Feel that your breath is very easy. You can feel your hips in the back of the chair and it's comfortable. Your hips, your pelvis, your back, your neck, your head, all should be in a straight, easy posture, very comfortable. Your shoulders are relaxed. Your jaw is not tense, it's very loose. Your eyes are closed and very soft. the top of your head feels very warm and nice. Let's just breathe in. And while we breathe in, we breathe in thoughts of strength and purity. And when we breathe out, we breathe out any sort of tension, any anxiety, any pain we may have. Any fear that we have, we just breathe it out as we breathe in strength and purity. Feel that your body is very easy and light. There's no pain. There's no stress. And now let us pray for the peace and well-being of the whole world. We're all interconnected and interrelated, and so much of our happiness and joy is dependent on the happiness of others. So if we know anyone who is in pain or is suffering in any way, let's send them thoughts of love and well-being. Now let's pray for the well-being of the whole world and send thoughts of peace and love and well-being to the people in the north, in the south, in the east, in the west. All beings above us and below us. Everything is filled with peace. Feel that peace is surrounding you. Feel that nobody fears you and you fear no one. Your body is at peace. 
Your mind is deeply calm. Purity brings calmness. Let's feel our kinship now with all beings through the presence of the divine within, the Atman, the all-pervading, luminous, eternal divine within us. Let's feel our oneness with all beings through the Atman. We're aware that we're separate from the body. We see thoughts darting through our mind. So we're aware that we're actually separate from the mind. And now let's think of the mind as being a calm, beautiful lake. There's no ripples and no eddies. The water is so pure and clear. And now look down through that pure water to the luminous Atman shining within. As we get closer to it, we become one with it because we're that already. We're in the radiant Atman, which is our real nature, pure, shining, eternal. Birthless, deathless, unchanging, unaffected by the moods of the mind, unaffected by sorrow and grief, unaffected by whatever the body does. This is who we really are. Let's spend a few minutes just being in the presence of our own divine nature. And now let us pray that whatever peace that we've taken here, that we can bring it out with us. That we can take this sense of peace and calm that we have, that we can remember this feeling and bring it with us at all times. Om peace, peace, peace. Just open your eyes. It takes a little while to come out of it, doesn't it? Again, it seems counterintuitive that in order for us to work well, we have to be able to do this. But we do. We need to be able to spend some time in the joy of the Atman, who we really are, and to be able to have that calm that we have and bring that calm to our work. Because unless we can have that sort of centeredness when we work, our work will be dispersed. It'll be like seeds thrown out into the, the brush. It will make our life so much easier. I remember when I first joined, I thought, oh my God, there's so much work here to do. I can't spend so much time meditating. So I would think, okay, well, I'm just going to skip this noon meditation. I'm just going to get some work done. And inevitably, I spent more time doing things that took me less time when I meditated. And it was so frustrated because it seemed like, well, I've got more time now. I can use it to get all these things done. It never worked out that way. The work was much better, more focused, more clean 
got done much better when I just took the time to meditate because the reason I avoided it was because it's harder than work. <laughs> it's much harder to meditate than to shut up and, and sit down and, and try to concentrate the mind. But it's so it's like, oh, I'm so busy, I got to do this. Well, it's much easier to do this with an uncontrolled mind because no one can tell where your mind is than to sit down and try to concentrate. It's really tough. But when we can work in that way, we'll be able to work unencumbered by fear and un unencumbered by egotism because these are the usual things that get in the way of our work. It's like, oh, I'm not going to do this right. Someone's going to think that I'm not doing this right. I'm doing this. Am I going to do, be doing this wrong? Or why hasn't someone noticed this? What I did was so great. It's, it's come on, bring the praise, bring the praise. And so when we don't get that, we're being buffeted back and forth when we can really have our minds skilled, skilled and trained. It's like going to the gym. When you first go to the gym, everything hurts. It's like, oh my God, why am I doing this? But then bit by bit, it gets easier. Meditation is the same way. Bit by bit, it gets easier. It's never like really easy, unless you're a great soul, but it gets easier. And the mind looks forward to it. You feel kind of crummy if you don't get your meditation and things seem sort of like out of sorts. The other thing when we learn to work in the right way is that we don't call attention to ourselves. We'll be able to work without the expectations because the whole thing with karma yoga is letting go of expectations. Doing the work and letting it go. We just do it and it goes away. We won't expect for people to say how wonderful everything is. And then we won't get upset when they don't like what we do or they don't care. It's like it won't ruin our day. It won't ruin our week. It won't ruin our relationship with others. Like, fine, you know, let it go. You know, Confucius said 2,500 years ago, choose a job you love and you won't work a day in your life. Very true. But there's a much easier way to do it, and that's just to make the decision to like what you do. Because we all have work that we like to do, and we have work that we don't like to do. Now, I personally like brush clearing a lot. I like it because there's a great before and after. It's like, I did now look at it, it's so clean, yes. Weeding, I like for the same reason. It's cooking, it's great, you know, before and after. And I really dislike vacuuming drapes. I just loathe it and ironing. Vacuuming drapes, I remember I was vacuuming drapes as a young nun, and I know I was complaining about it, or wherever it was, my sour attitude was certainly coming through because the former head of our convent, Prabhav Prana, who was a wonderful nun, a wonderful person, said, she was from Chattanooga, Tennessee, she said, we don't do what we like, we like what we do. And I was ready to kill her. Because <laughs> first of all, it was trite, but trite things are often the true ones. But mostly because she caught my bad attitude. It was like this was not doing karma yoga because you could spend like three hours getting the cobwebs off the back of the drapes and they still looked exactly the same and no one was going to come in and say, oh my God, what great drapes. It was just going to look exact. Instead, I wanted the praise. I wanted the praise of saying, oh my God, look at all the brush. Look at all the weeding you did. Look at, look at that dessert that looks like hell, but it tastes good. So we want the praise. So we kind of get sucked in by the ego. But the real truth is that any sort of spiritual aspirants, as people who really want to have a spiritual life, holding on to our likes and dislikes is really bad for our spiritual life. It really makes our life difficult because we're all born with certain tendencies. We all have things we instinctively like and things we instinctively don't like. It's like, 
yes, no, yes, no. Yes, I want this, I don't want that. And this push me, pull you is directed 100% by the ego. The ego is getting in there saying, I want, I do not want. It makes giving in to these likes and dislikes, aggrandizes our ego. And it makes us at the mercy of our own emotions. We can't have a calm mind unless we let go of these strong likes and dislikes. I mean, I'm never going to like liver, but I shouldn't, I'm a vegetarian anyway, but I shouldn't like actively like, get out of here if you're cooking liver. It's, you have to let go because the mind can never be calm. As Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, without a calm mind, you can't meditate. And if you can't meditate, where's peace? And he said, if there's no peace, then where is happiness? All we want is to be happy, but unless we have that, we can't do without peace. Can't have peace without a calm mind. Can't have a calm mind if we're being buffeted about by our own intense likes and dislikes. We just have to let them go. Learn to like what we do. And if we make the decision, we can actually do it, which is really the key for karma yoga. Whatever we do, do it with a positive attitude. Make it an offering. Make it as something that's part of our spiritual life. Make it an offering to the divine. Do it as service. But don't hanker for the results because it's desiring the results, desiring to be noticed, desiring to have a particular result. That's the thing that gets in our way and poisons us. Then we have these expectations that we want something again. Have to let it go. So how do we learn to do this kind of work where we don't suffer with it, that we don't get depleted? Well, one suggestion that Krishna gives in the Bhagavad Gita is make all your acts an offering to me bow down to me in self-surrender. Now, this doesn't mean necessarily it has to be Krishna. It can be any form of the divine that we feel attracted to. So whatever we do, whatever work we do, we can make that an offering, whether it be to Krishna or to Ramakrishna or Holy Mother, Jesus, Buddha, Shiva, Ganesha, Hanuman, whatever we do, Kali, Durga, Whatever we do, make it bigger than ourselves. We have to offer something more than ourselves because otherwise we're making sacrifices to the, to the grand ego of the universe, the one that we all inhabit. So we want to make an offer to the divine. What does it mean to offer? If I offer you a gift, I hand it to you. I don't have any strings attached. I have renounced my ownership of it. If I say, I'm going to come over and make you dinner, I hand you the dinner. I've given up ownership of it. I'm not going to take that, that roll out of your mouth with the butter in it. I've given it to you. The same way with our acts. When we make an offering to it, we let go of it. We let go. So then when we do whatever work we do, we make it an offering and we just let it go. And that way we have freedom because we don't have a string here and we don't have a string attached to whoever it is that we're expecting something from. We have freedom. Every time we have an expectation, we sell away our freedom. And we all need freedom more than anything else. You can't have a spiritual life without breathing free. That's the most important thing is because our real nature is freedom. Our real nature is infinite. Can't confine the infinite. So in our spiritual life, we need to have that freedom too, which means us letting go of what we're holding on to, which is expectations for certain results. We can't be slaves to our work. So this begs the obvious question, well, I work so hard, why do I want to give up the results? 
you know, I worked really hard on this. I worked so hard. Why do I want to give up anything to anybody when it's been my toil, my work, my anxiety, my hassle? Well, because of the very anxiety, toil, hassle, because we end up being a prisoner by it because we can't let it go. And then we get strangled by our own expectations and our desires. We can't let go of it. So what happens when we don't let go? Okay, I'll give you a couple scenarios. Let's say our boss asks us for a report. Okay, she wants it now. Okay, fine. So we spend two weeks working on it. We work really hard. We skip lunch breaks. We take it home with us. We work on weekends. And after two, she's asking for it. So after two weeks, you put it on her desk and nothing. No praise, no blame, nothing. I'm starting to get stressed. My, my palms are getting wet. I can feel my heart. It's like, finally you say, well, I worked really hard on this. She goes, yeah. You never hear anything about it again. You never forgive that boss. You can never work with her again. It's stuck there. It's like she could care less. Okay, second scenario. Boss wants you to hand in a report. It's very important. My boss's boss needs it. Where is it coming? Okay, He's on you all the time. He's on you all the time. You're working on it. You're working weekends. You sit at your desk and you work during lunch. You work late. And at the end of two weeks, you hand it in to him and you've been taking all this anxiety out on your family. They don't want to be around you because you're radioactive. You're so freaked out about it. You go in, you hand it in and he looks through it and he says, this is not the quality work I wanted from a person in your position. And he throws it off the desk like a dead rat. You're hurt. You're angry. And you don't know whether you've got a job left. You come back to work the following Monday, and you, you don't even want to work with him. But you don't have a choice because you need the job. And you don't know how stable your job is, and you wish to God your life was simpler than that. Another scenario. Okay, you do the job. You do the job really well. You hand it in to your boss. After two weeks, she says, this is great work. This is fabulous. You're going to get a raise from this. And so you're so happy, you take your family out to dinner, you all get on this, you're planning your vacation for Europe with you and the kids, and then she gets laid off and you get laid off and so does the entire division of the company. And you don't know where you're going to go. Or you're a student, and you work really, really, really hard on a test, and you get in there for the test, and your mind just goes, none of the things I studied for on this test. And you think, if I don't get a good grade in this class, I'm not going to be able to go to the school I want. And it's terrible. And maybe you don't get to the school you want. Or you're so anxiety-ridden that you go in the test and you think, God, these must be trick questions. They're so easy. So you find out later, no, you nailed it. You killed it. You got into the school you wanted. You get the job you wanted. You got the career you wanted. And after 40 years of doing it, I think, you know, I really wish I could have been a gardener instead. I know people like that. So it's like we miss so much of these opportunities. We stress out and we plan ahead and ahead and ahead. I need this for that and that for that and that for that so this can happen by these expectations, by not engaging in karma yoga. To just do the best you can and leave it at that. Maybe the best thing wasn't getting into that school. Maybe you were really meant to go to a different school where your other unexpected talents could come out. We don't know. Maybe getting fired from that job was the best thing that ever happened. We can't see into the future, but all we do know is that when we work for the sake of the divine, we don't get strung out. We can work with a happy heart, and we enjoy what we're doing. All of these scenarios have this whole problem, not letting go of the results. The Bhagavad Gita very famously says, you have the right to work, but not to the results of the work. 
You should engage in action, but never hanker for the results, and you should never long for inactivity. In other words, it's not okay to be lazy. Being engaged in action is always better than being tamasic or being just lazy, avoiding work. Does anyone here remember, I'm really dating myself, the TV show, Dobie Gillis? Yeah, yeah, Maynard G. Krabs, work, work. We should never, ever avoid work. It's not being spiritual. Maynard G. Krabs was a beatnik, so all beatniks were thought to avoid work. But we should never avoid work. That's not being spiritual. We have to engage in work, but engage in work in a mindful way so that our mind is directed and we can actually get joy out of it. When we were doing our karma yoga day yesterday, I mean, all this work was basically drudge work. What you would say on the outside is drudge work. We had people clearing brush. We had people out there raking the shrine grove. Dusty, dirty, hot, miserable. And these guys were enjoying themselves so much. It's, it was just an inspiration. All these chairs that you're sitting on, all these have been lovingly cleaned, along with all the benches, all the footrests, and all those wooden chairs. All of those were lovingly cleaned yesterday. All the banisters outside, insides of the doors, bathroom doors, lovingly cleaned. Now, we tend to, if we're home, we go, oh, God, I got to do that. But everyone had a blast. We all had a blast because we were all doing it for something more than ego gratification. We were doing it for a higher good. That's what brings us joy, getting ourselves, getting the ego out of the picture and offering it up for something higher than ourselves. All of our work really can be given a spiritual turn. The Bhagavad Gita says intriguingly that one who sees action in inaction and inaction in action is wise indeed. And you go, huh? But basically it means that when we're working, there's something inside of us that's very still. And when we're very still, we're deeply concentrated. So we're not just letting the mind be babied. We're concentrating very much. So that same mind, that same directed mind is going to both areas very clearly and efficiently and beautifully. When we can do that, our work becomes a real joy. It becomes fun. And our meditation doesn't become drudge work either. It's just the whole thing of building up our spiritual life. When we do that, when we kind of get out of this drudge thing and we, we learn to really spiritualize every aspect of our life, then when we work hard, we really will be hardly working. And then we'll find joy and freedom in doing the things that we used to avoid doing. We'll find joy and freedom in really everything that we do. And then when that point comes, it's all good. You know, it's all good. Thank you. I will close with a chant, and those of you who know Purnamada, please join with me. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachate Purnasya Purnamataya Purnamevavashishyate Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Om. Filled with Brahman are the things we see. Filled with Brahman are the things we see not. From out of Brahman flows all that is, yet is Brahman still the same. Om. Peace, peace, 
peace be unto us all.